0: My childhood, it, it was dysfunctional. But the sad thing about it, it was dysfunctional, but it was kind of normal. Um, because growing in a dysfunctional family, you don't know it's dysfunctional until you come out of it. I mean, my mother was a prostitute, grandmother, prostitute, and my father was a punter, you know. So it was kind of like really confusing because, like, my dad used to pay my grandmother to have sex with my mum, but when she got pregnant with us all, my grandmother took us all to Yorkshire. So I didn't grow up around my dad. In fact, I got told that my dad was dead. As a young child, I was born in the 60s, so I was actually made to feel uncomfortable in my own skin. And that is from, as a, as a baby, you know, my mum used to call us nigger this, my, my grandmother. And it was like, that, that's how it used to go in, in the 60s. You you're black this, you are black that. So I was actually made to hate myself from a young child. and I didn't realize until last year that I actually hated the black side of me. And and it's kind of like, I'm glad that I got that revelation. But as a young child, right, there was um, punters, clients, always coming in out of my mum's house, you know? And it's kind of like, you know, I got, my mum sold me at a very young age. I don't know what age, but she sold me at a very young age. And it's crazy because I remember I started to, as I've got getting older, I'm starting to get more flashbacks of of like what happened. And, you know, my mum, you know, I would say things, don't touch. My Mandy, and then she'd get up and walk out of the room and, and leave me vulnerable in bed with with a client, you know. And and it, and that was kind of like normal. And but the sad thing about it, it wasn't until I got to the age forty that I was able to see what happened. It wasn't until I got into recovery, uh, and and born again that, that that it came to light that I was even abused, you know. So going to school, you know, I hated. I I just hated people. I've learned that I was actually frightened of people, and there's no wonder why, because of what was going on. Anything that if if anybody said to me anything was good about me, I would never believe them. You know, I used to think, what are they after? You know, so, so I'd always act out negatively. I used to go shoplifting with my mom. I used to rob punters with my mom, and that was from a very young age. You know what the sad thing is, right? I also remember at a young age, right, I was watching a film on the TV, and it was a, It was a film about Sister Bernadette, a Catholic film, right, a nun. And you know what? I wanted to be a nun. Can you believe that? The two extremes, right? I wanted to be a nun or the best thief in the world. There was no middle thing, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's kind of like um, I used to always feel like I had to be the one that... That would be the upfront front person, like Mandy will do it, don't worry, I'll sort it out. I remember, like, my mum used to hit us, beat us, right, until we stopped crying. The more we cry, she'd say, If you cry, I'm gonna beat you. So we used to, she used to beat us until we stopped, you know. So I remember when my grandmother was dying, she said, Go and look for your dad, right? And, and I believed that my dad was dead because that's what they told us. So when my mum was drunk, my mum was an alcoholic and she dabbled with um, heroin and crack and, and took pills, uh, prescription pills. And I remember when she was high saying to my mum, my you know, have you got my dad's number? And, and, and I couldn't believe it. She gave me the number. You know, I didn't know if it was true when, when my grandmother said go and look for your dad. I didn't know. But she reeled off this number to me and I just phoned this number. And, and, and I could hear the screaming and the excitement from, from the people at the other head, end, my dad just saying, oh, my daughter, Mandy, Mandy, you know. But anyway, I ended up in, in London and my dad ran gambling houses in the West End. And that was kind of like, it was exciting because it was like I didn't have to fend for myself because people respected me my dad, whereas in, in Yorkshire there was no respect, there was all, just nothing but abuse. I ended up getting into a relationship and it's not because I, I love this man, it was purely because he was the best thief and, 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 and he, he had street credibility, you know, and that's how, that's just sad. I didn't see people for what they was, I saw people for what they had. So I ended up getting pregnant um, for this guy. And, and having a baby and it was devastating because now I've got a little baby, I've got to look after this little baby and I didn't want to look after this little baby. Like my my thing was like going on the streets and, and, and being a- around people. But I ended up getting pregnant again for this guy that I was with, uh, my first children's dad. And by then now I'm taking heroin, I'm smoking crack and, and snorting cocaine and, and, and taking pills. So So the sad thing about it, my second baby, he, he was born addicted um, to heroin and you know what? I don't even remember the pregnancy It really cuts me to pieces because my son would have been 26 now and he's, he's dead now He died of the disease of addiction uh, Cocaine and alcohol and you know what? I don't remember nothing about my son I don't I don't know what his favorite color was. I don't know nothing nothing It kind of like robbed my whole experience of being a mum you know to my son you know you know the closest I felt to my son was when I was grieving his death there was such a deep pain and I, I don't know I felt bonded but that, that was the closest I felt to him. I ended up leaving uh, my first partner because I used to go out thieving with his best friend and the sad thing about it I ended up um, uh, sleeping with his best friend who we wasn't in love. It's just convenient, we were thieving together and we was wrapped around each other. And plus my children's dad ended up smoking too much drugs and, and I thought he's got to go, you know. So I ended up sleeping with his best friend and, and I ended up getting pregnant uh, for his best friend a few years on. right? And, and, and my son, um, my third son was born. And again, I, I remember on my way to hospital, I'm just showing you the powerlessness of, of, of the disease of addiction. I remember on the way to hospital, um, I't I my waters had broken, and I, it's as if I was saying to the baby, "You, not, you ain't coming yet because I've got to go and get some crack." My baby was born, obviously addicted, and he was in the intensive care. It was touch and go whether he'd live or die. And you know what? I had my crack pipe underneath in the intensive care, in and out in and out of the toilet. And you know what? I was there because I knew I should be there because I've just had a baby, but there was no connection whatsoever. And that, and yeah, I ended up getting having another baby and, 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 and in and out of prison. And you know why? All these blooming babies, all I ever wanted to be was a mum. You know, But I just didn't get it. I just couldn't, didn't understand how the heck do people function normal. I've come out of prison, right, and I'm down King's Cross, obviously going to score some heroin and crack, and I see this man who I knew to be a thief and a drug addict, right, and I thought, oh my gosh, he looks really good. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to slip in on it you know, because by then I'd become a prostitute, something that I swore I'd never do. And when I was a prostitute, I sold myself for a tenner, I slept with men without a condom, you know, I was no high-class hooker. And the sad thing about it, I didn't have to become a prostitute, but it's like something, just the pattern of, of, of my grandmother, my mother and me, something that I swore I'd never, never be. Anyway, this guy down King's Cross and um, I'm saying, oh, come on, bring me in. And he's looked at me and he goes, Mandy, Jesus, right? I've looked at him and I thought, what's the matter with this man? Why are you telling me how he's getting his money? So he said, Mandy, honest to God, Jesus, right? <laughs> so, so my head, obviously I don't know anything about Jesus. All my head was thinking, this man's not telling me, but he's robbing the church. You know what I mean? He, he's robbing them, but he's not telling me. And I'm thinking, okay, so I ended up going to the church where he was going to. All I know now is that the Holy Spirit obviously was taking me back to this church because, like, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't want to. I had nothing in common with these people, you know. But I kept going back there. And I remember outside the church, I was smoking a fag, right? (laughs) And this Christian lady come up to me, and she said, "Christians don't smoke cigarettes." So in my head, I'm thinking, "I better not tell her that I'm a heroin crack thief and a prostitute." If she's worried about a fag, you know, I had the sense just to blank her, thinking, "No, there's something wrong with this woman." But anyway, once. Sunday I gave my life to Jesus I didn't know what I was doing you know but all I knew by there was something there there was a lot of love and a lot of warmth and and I wanted it Um, I wanted what was there it scared me I walked around with my arms folded like that but but I wanted what was there so I asked Jesus to come into my life and all I know is I left that church with Jesus working on the inside and that's what took me to my mum's I'm going there for crack but there was another plan. So uh, I've forgiven my mum, and, and and I didn't know the full extent of what I f- was forgiving her for because the sexual abuse hadn't been revealed, you know. And, f- and it was for about 60 seconds, my mum touched my head, and you know what, there was so much warmth. I've never, ever, ever experienced that warmth. So in that 60 seconds, what I know now is that, that, that God restored you know what I mean, what the locals have eaten. He restored that bonding. I bonded with my mum for 60 seconds and then it was gone because I remembered I wanted crack, you know what I mean? So then I was off on that merry-go-round again. But anyway, not long after that, three weeks after that, my mum died and you know what? I just thank God I was able to make amends with my mum before she, before she did go, after I'd given my life um, in church I didn't know what it was but I, I ended up leaving the church and I was still withdrawing for heroin so I phoned up this lady and said you've mugged me off telling me to say this prayer and then put my hands up so everybody can see that I've said this prayer and I'm still sick I was really angry with her and all she said was Mandy the old has gone you're a new creation I didn't know what she was saying but I now know that she was speaking words into, into, my, into my life and, it's, and it went into my heart I, I remember withdrawing right and what I know now is, is uh, that God brought that word to my head and I spoke it into my withdrawals. And this is when I knew Jesus was real, right? He lifted me up out of the addiction. He took away all the sickness and all the pain and it was like a buzz, it was like a rush of having a hit of heroin and cocaine, which is such a rush. It was like a rush going through my body. I got such a high, you know, you know that, that I got hooked. I thought I've got to, know who to find out who this Jesus man is. <laughs> so I started running him down to the point where I even went into Christian rehab to get to know who this Jesus man is. Because like, whenever I was withdrawing for heroin, I would have to go straight go and graft go or sell my body. Or, or, but with that, you know, he just took it away. But I didn't maintain being clean because I didn't know enough about him. You know? So I ended up going into this Christian rehab and it was tough. It was tough, you know, you know, I can remember saying to them, you lot are brainwashed, and they said to me, Mandy, your brain needs washing, it stinks. And what they were saying was actually true, because anything that was in my head, it was off-key, and it still can be off-key now, do you know? I mean, I didn't have anything positive to think about anything, body, it was always negative. But in this home, right, they used to, they used to mention the word God, all right? Now, I've mentioned the word God a lot because of who I am today. But at that time, I couldn't say God, you know, and I couldn't tell these Christians in the home because every time I went to say God, I'd see a giant penis, right? And remembering, I didn't know nothing about the sexual abuse, and it, and I was in torment. I was thinking, what is wrong with me? You know, you're twisted. How can you? What is going on? It's only I now understand that that was that that just he represented all the people that sexually abused me. There were the gods in my life that that had, you know which is really traumatic when I think about um, the gods in my life were my abusers which is quite quite deep but what I did do I got to know Jesus you know he was rejected spat upon and despised and I could relate to him and it's through him that he got me to know who God was you know I kind of like trusted him to get to know who God was I remember praying right at home and and I remember worshipping and then, then and then praying, then all of a sudden I blooming got in the bath and, and I've gone like a little child started banging the water and I was so angry at God, right, because it was in the Christian rehab home that come to light that I'd been sexually abused. I started to see the first client that I had when I was a young child, you know, and, and I started banging the water and saying, it's your fault, you know what I mean, you chose my parents, da 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 da, and then I start sobbing and then, and then then I'd feel the warmth of his love. But what that showed me that I was free to be angry at God because I was angry anyway, that little child was angry, but it released me to express the anger and the frustration that I'd held for all them years. But anyway, I ended up um, being restored back to my children and one of my son had a court case going on, right? And, and my two older children that I abandoned for 11 years, they were blooming street boys, you know, they'd been brought up as like thinking that they're little gangsters, you know. And one of them had a court case going on, and I so desperately wanted my children to feel the love of Jesus, you know, because that is just so important to me. And my, my, my son ended up going into this Christian real, right, <laughs> that I went in. And I'd go and pick him up to take him to court. He'd say, Mum, I'm not getting this. And I'd say, son, stay there, you're going to get it. So I'd pick him up each day to take him to court, and I remember one day i see it all over his face. I knew he'd got it. And, you know, and he was just so excited. He wanted to run and tell everybody on the train. I said, do you know what I mean? Don't start telling the judge because he'll think you're mad. But the judge ended up sentencing him to the rehab for him to stay and do the rehab program. Anyway, my son didn't stay in that rehab and, and he, ended up, he ended up smoking um, cocaine and, and smoking crack and drinking alcohol. And, and what happened was, and this really saddens me because my son ran away from that rehab, right? And, and he came to me. He came to me, you know, and 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 part of me, you know, like, and I pushed him away, and my I, w- I said to him, no, you need to go back to the rehab. I didn't let him come in, and then and then the next thing I hear, the police are phoning me up, and and they said, oh, your son's in hospital, and I I still never responded as a natural mother would run down the hospital. I didn't know how to be nat- a natural mum. I was just so militant and hard. I ended up saying to the police, "Okay, I'll come to the hospital after I've been to work, because by then I was working. I got my first paid job, in in Holloway Prison, the same prison that I was in and out of. But um, it that 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 the pain of that is still with me, you know. My son was calling out for me, and 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 I still I abandoned him, and and I was there, while he was dying, uh, but he was in he was." Um, um, on a life support machine, and I don't believe he knew that I was there. But but when I was visiting like, the hospital, I see his dad, the one that I abandoned, you know, uh, for his best friend, and, and I know that the Holy Spirit directed me to go over there and, and say sorry, you know, and he said sorry for his part. So when my son was dying, his immediate family was there, you know, and, and I thank God for that, you know. Um, but the pain, the pain of not being able to be relational to my son, I, I can never get that back and that's something that I've, that I've got to accept. So my partner's there, my, my children's ex-partner, and, and I've, I've uh, um, said sorry and he said sorry for his part and, and, and I thank God that I seized that opportunity because a year later he got shot dead by the police. But since I've been clean, my mind is, can get to be so twisted and, and off-key. And, and you know, I've started to, last year with the counsellor, I've accepted that both my mother and my father were paedophiles because I didn't mention that my father also um, lied to me and said that he just wanted me to give him a kiss on the cheek but he swished his face around and stuck his tongue down my throat, but I was too old. I was about, I don't know, 17. I'm not sure what age, but I was too old and I punched him in the face and knocked his tooth out. And that was never mentioned again. And later on I learned that he tried it on with my younger sister who ended up living on the streets from the age of 13. So I've started, to, last year I accepted that both my mother and father are paedophiles. That's heavy stuff to accept, you know. And you know what I, what I got from that? You know, I always used to be afraid that I'd, that I'd be a um, heroin, crack addict, an alcoholic like my mother, and a prostitute. But you know what? I started to get a panic thinking, am I a paedophile? Am I an abuser like my mother? You know, And that really petrified me to the point where I even had to ask my sister, because my sister remembers everything about the sexual abuse. I didn't. I blanked it out for all them years. I had to ask my sister, did I abuse you when you were a child because she was my younger sister? And she told me that I never... But I didn't know if I had, and I had to ask her this. I had to go through a lot of stuff and it's funny right because like you know I remember when I first went to my first um, fellowship meeting right as a born-again Christian I've gone in there and and, you know they go around and say my name's so and so I'm an addict I'd say my name's so and so and I'm a born-again Christian and you know why that was because I was too afraid to say I'm an addict I was so afraid of that word I'm an addict today I I can accept that I'm an addict, meaning if I pick up a certain thing, it releases something in me that just wants more, 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 more. If I ever forget that, I will go back to this stuff, you know? But what I love, what I love about today, right? It says the truth will set you free, right? And all I know that today, I can be brutally, truthfully honest because I've got nothing to hide, you know? Um, I've got my higher power who I choose to call God, right? in my life that knows all about me, you know, he approves of me and he accepts me and that's all that matters to me right now. My first ever paid job was in Holloway Prison and um, and that was blooming a miracle. I've come out of the Christian rehab home and I knew that, I don't know, I just knew I was going back into the prison until I ended up becoming part of senior management and, and the prison blooming nominated me for an award. Um, and, and um, I, I got a commendation. Um, I was in Buckingham Palace a couple of months ago and, and it was really amazing. My, we're in, I'm in there with my son and somebody said, are you proud of your mum being in Buckingham Palace? And my son just looked at them and said, no. I'm proud of my mum every day for the work she does. I thought, yeah, go on, son. <laughs> what I would say to you is stick it out because you know what? It's much harder going back to, back to where you've come from, you know, because that's something that really scared me. I didn't wanna. I didn't wanna die and stay the same. You know, afterwards being in that this, that addiction, it was it stopped working for me. You know, I just encourage you to just keep going, keep going, reach out and connect with somebody else that's in the program. You know, connect with them, talk to them, find somebody that where you can be real to. You know, it, it, it honestly all I know is that 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 that, that you're needed. You're needed. You're needed to, to get through the program, work the program and pass the program on. You know, all I know that, that where you are is not where you're going to stay. You know, and, and the thing about recovery is you can't go around it, you can't go under it and you can't go over it. You have to go through it in order to learn a thorough lesson and be the awareness of it. There's no other way. And you know what? When I look at my life, I wouldn't want any other way. Because if it was a, a magic wand would be just waved and it 'd be gone you wouldn 't respect that, do you know what I mean you just you wouldn 't respect that you know it 's just something and, and, and I can just say that that you 're not going through it on your own sometimes uh, there's a, there's a, and I know i 'm going into scripture, but it 's my word of truth right right God says I will never leave you and forsake you sometimes I used to think that that i 'm all on my own. And and the reason that is because this journey is on my own, kind of, but he's there. He's there, and he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And there are people in the program that I can talk to, but ultimately he knows, because he knitted me together in my mother's womb, so he knows exactly the spot and the troubles that I'm going through. So all I can say is just hang on in there. You know, don't miss out on the blessing.